You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I am Roger B. This is the Locked and Loaded Show, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Pew, 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 pew. Now, as everybody knows, we had Thanksgiving going on, and uh, Thanksgiving is great. You get to give thanks for everything. Last week, I had my list of things I was thankful for in the gun world. But then, of course, after Thanksgiving comes Friday, known as Black Friday. Uh, you mean African American? Wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> Although there was a Canadian company that decided to call it White Friday because of Justin Trudeau's tryst with blackface. Unbelievable. So well, what you know. What about Brown Friday and Yellow Friday? I think it's Brown Thursday. Ah, Brown Thursday. What's Monday? If you're, oh, uh, Cyber Monday. It can't have a color. No, it's not. It's it's internet, so it doesn't see color. Oh, right, doesn't see. It's twenty first century. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. And today is Giving Tuesday. Uh, Giving Tuesday. All right. Well, I want to hear all about the Black Friday gun deals. Well, let me tell you. Well, there were gun deals galore. Apparently, there were so many that we spurred on people in America. According to the background checks, this is. Now, keep in mind, this is according to people who got background checks. They sold enough guns to American citizens to arm every single active Marine we have in, on duty right now. I think we could do better. Oh, I know we can. Oh, I'm sure. I, these, these are rookie numbers. We need to bring these and, up. And, Roger, I think you should clarify, these were people, law-abiding citizens who bought weapons. Oh, absolutely. These are background checks. Yeah. And everybody passed these background checks. Now... Where these numbers will vary some, and let's see, okay, I'll give you the numbers real quick. There were 202,465 background checks done for gun purchases on Black Friday. That's a 24-hour period. The record was 203,086. So we missed it by just, you know, five 600 is the only difference. So we almost tied a record that we had back in 2017. But now what this does not take into account is anybody who purchased multiple weapons on one background check. So if some dad's buying guns for two or three kids all at one time, that doesn't show up as individual weapons. Also, in 20 different states, if you have a carry permit, you don't need to undergo the background check yet again because you've already got an FBI background check, fingerprints on file, a much more extensive background check than they normally run. So these numbers, you know... and. With the amount of people increasing as far as people who hold concealed carry permits, this number is probably could have easily broken a record with gun sales if there was a way to track that. But still, we were up 11% over last year's numbers, which is great. That is fantastic and came within, you know, five, six hundred of breaking the all-time record in a 24-hour period for, for selling guns to Americans or firearms to Americans. Which I think is just fantastic. Goes to show you, Americans enjoy their guns. They use them responsibly, and they value the Second Amendment. To me, that is an outstanding way to do business. Let's sell everybody who can have one and can legally use it, and we'll take the responsibility. Let's sell them a gun or two or three or seven. Who knows? And if you know somebody who can't afford one, you have a nephew or you have a a father-in-law or someone who wishes he really could get one and just doesn't have the money right now, 
Well, you know what? It would be really nice to get them a gun. I think you should buy everybody a gun who, who wants one who you think is responsible enough. Now, keep in mind, if you do this, they have to get a background check in most in a lot of states. Some states allow you to give family members guns as gifts. Uh, you'd have to check your local laws before doing this, but if not, you can always get a gift card to your local gun shop and have them go in and pick something out, even go help them pick something out. Oh, apparently I was off on my numbers. There are 182,000 active duty U.S. Marines currently, not 186. So we had enough to arm them and have another 20,000 guns on top of that so that we bought enough guns to arm every Marine and have 20,000 extras for spare parts. These figures are awesome. I like seeing this. And the fact that it was up 11% from last year, because last year was a bit of a slump because I think people were – we're a little bit secure in the fact that Trump wasn't going to do anything about the gun control. He was very pro-Second Amendment. But I think with all the election talk going on now and all these politicians ranting and raving about taking Second Amendment rights away, I think a lot more people have decided, you know what, I want to exercise this right before somebody tries to take it away from me. So now let's see. Let's give you some more quick numbers here. Okay. The record in 2016 for one year was 27.5 million approved background checks. And you're talking less than a thousand between 2017. So it's just, we're hitting these records over and over again. And I honestly think we have more than this because of the carry permit exemption and because of the multi gun purchase exemption. And I think politicians are driving this. Like Beto O'Rourke comes in and says, I'm going to take your AR-15. I'm going to take your AK-47. Well, you know what? People are going, oh, yeah? Well, if I have two or three of them, it's going to be harder to take them. If I have friends helping me, it'll be even harder than that. And I think a lot of these people are, are starting to realize they need to get out and vote. They need to vote to maintain their rights. Now, Trump did a great thing a couple of weeks ago in uh, with his Hong Kong initiative bill that he passed supporting the people in Hong Kong who are trying to fight for, for democracy. These are people who would love to have a gun to be able to fight against the, I guess, the oppressive government that's there. Instead, they used bows and arrows from uh, student archery departments. But you know what? It's funny. They There was, a, <clears throat> I guess, a demonstration this past week. And on Thanksgiving Day, the people in Hong Kong who were protesting started singing the Star Spangled Banner. They were so proud of the fact that Trump did this. They were praising America for their acknowledgement of their oppression and the fact that they were being held down by this government. And hopefully, Chinese government will see that Hong Kong needs to remain free and they'll, and they'll get their freedom somehow or at least a uh, an inkling of democracy and tar- start working towards the goal of a complete republic. That would be fantastic, or at least have some input from the citizens on their government. But I'm sure if they had a Black Friday and were allowed to buy guns, those would have been some interesting numbers to see. But anyway, if you haven't bought your gun yet for the Christmas season, you should definitely get out there and get one. Because after all, nothing says, I love you, I care about you, than buying them a gun to protect themselves with, to protect their families with. Let them be their own first responders. You be your own first responder. If you've ever thought about getting one, now might be the time. The sales are going on. There's great prices on almost everything. There's all kinds of new things coming out. And the second most important thing, if you know someone who just purchased a weapon and they have limited experience, buy them a training course. 
buy them a buy them a gift certificate for a training course, uh, sign them up for a a class where they can learn basic operations, where they can learn advanced operations that they already know basic stuff. You know, the more training you get, the more efficient you are with your weapon, the better off you're going to be if it comes to ever having to use it. Because if you ever have to use it, you got to realize that's the kind of situation that puts you under stress. Your adrenaline starts to flow. Your gross motor skills deteriorate. You tend to get tunnel vision. And if you don't know instinctively how to handle that weapon, how to use it, how to reload it, how to check everything on it, then chances are you're not going to be able to do it under a stressful situation. Many training classes will offer you, they'll try and give you some sort of resemblance of a stressful situation, make you run across the range, grab something, come back, and then draw your weapon and start shooting so you're a little out of breath, you've got your heart rate up. Now, these are not going to be the same, but it's going to give you a little bit of a taste of what it's like when you use your weapon under a stressful situation. And these are the kind of things that you need to practice. It's easy to stand there, feet apart, shoulder width, you know, shooting targets one at a time at three, five, seven yards, ten yards, whatever, without any kind of stress level, without any reloading. That's easier to do. You want to get beyond that. If you already know how to do that, if you've already done that, if you do that once a month, Mix it up a little bit. One of my favorite things to do is grab a couple of paper plates, and on most ranges they have a couple of paper clips or clips that hold the target in place. Put one paper plate on each clip. Then have somebody else load your magazine with anywhere from, I don't know, two to six rounds and try and put five rounds on each plate. Even if you want to switch back and forth, as soon as you run out, you have to perform a reload, drop that mag, reinsert another one. It's keep shooting till you hit your 10 rounds or 6 rounds or whatever you decide to do for that one. If you really want to get crazy, have someone else load your mag and put a dummy round in there and see what happens when your hammer goes down on a dummy round. See how fast you can wrap, tap, and reload that. Get it up and running again. But anyway, okay, so you've bought your gun, you've got your training, you're off. Now you have to worry about politicians taking these guns away. Now, in Virginia, a couple weeks ago, they actually, for the first time, and I believe it was like 26 years, they have elected a Democratic Congress and Senate to the state houses. And they already have a Democratic governor. So you may wonder, oh, my God, what are these people doing? Well, the gun sales in Virginia, I'm sure, were high. Because these people are not going to stand by and just let their rights get taken away. I have a feeling... They're going to be voting to get to stop this. They're going to try. But right now, they're just buying lots of guns. And they're doing something else. They're going to take a play right out of the Democratic playbook when it comes to sanctuary cities. In fact, the sanctuary movement for the Second Amendment is taking off across Virginia. That's a sign that the new anti-gun legislative majority will have to face a major pushback when it comes to gun control laws. Because these counties, these cities are deciding that, you know what, we're, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna pay attention to any state laws that we think violate our federal rights. If we have the right to keep and bear arms, we're not gonna let any state legislator come and try and take that federally given right away from us. Just as the people who decide oh, well, we're going to ignore federal law and we're going to allow anybody to come into the country and we're going to give them free stuff or allow them to stay here even though they may be a criminal or they may be here illegally. They're going to allow them to stay and support them and hide them from the federal government. 
Here, we're actually supporting a right that is listed in the Constitution. The Second Amendment right is there. And these cities have had enough of these counties and these little towns or these big cities coming in and trying to stomp out their rights by having a majority. You know, that's why... These people have to fight back. And they're not fighting anything illegally, though. They're just supporting a Second Amendment right that's already there, has been established, has been there for 234 years. And in Virginia, this is going on in force. They've got, uh, let's see, Appomattox County decided they were going to make their city or their county a Second Amendment sanctuary city. And the best thing is, the people who showed up for this hearing or this uh, this meeting, all of them were in favor of this vote. They wanted their county to be a Second Amendment sanctuary city. What's better than having federal law or having state or local laws that ignore your Second Amendment rights being shot down and being ignored, being pushed to the side as unconstitutional? Now, granted, a lot of these things are going to be hard to enforce because the federal government does have a long arm. But you know what? At least they're trying. Okay, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes. This is America's Web Radio. I'm Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. Merry Christmas. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. We've partnered with nationally known wholesale lenders throughout the country that offer a wide variety of home loan programs. We can find the right home loan that will suit your financial needs. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. We are back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Oh, look at that. A little musical intro. All right. I recognize that band. That's the band Pointless. 
Of course, they have since dissolved, but I know who they are. Now, we were talking about sanctuary counties, sanctuary cities, sanctuary towns in Virginia, and these guys are coming up strong. They realize after the election where the state, Senate, and House of Representatives have both swung Democrat with a Democratic governor, they're realizing their rights may be in danger because there's nothing more that politicians like is to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. In fact, it was funny. They were having a, a federal talk about red flag laws. And the Democrats refused to allow gang member databases to be included in red flag laws. So it just goes to show who they're really after. They want people who are citizens, who are law-abiding citizens, they want to take their guns away first while leaving illegals or gang members or people who constantly break the law to be able to keep their guns. Well, in Texas, that's not going to fly. In fact, a lot of these smaller towns come up and try and make themselves a sanctuary city. Well, now in Texas, they had a vote in Collin County, Texas, five to one in favor of becoming a sanctuary city or sanctuary county. Now, there's been other counties in Texas who have done the same thing. In fact, two Texas counties have recently declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuary cities, and these two counties have a population of over 2.2 million. So this is not some little town, you know, trying to make a statement and make a stand or draw themselves into uh, the spotlight. These are big counties. These are counties with millions of people in them. And they are starting to realize that if we don't do something, these the states are going to try and take these rights away by going with the ideas of the liberal people who live in the large cities, the very large cities. But right now, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different counties in Texas that have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuary cities. I'm going to read these real quick because I think it's worth. Now, there's Edwards County, population of 2,000. Right, that's the kind of, they think that's symbolic. Hood County, population of 56,000. Wood County, population 47,000. Parker County, population 129,000. Ellis County, population 168,000. Travis County, with a population of 1.25 million. And Collin County, with a population of 1.1 million. Okay, overall there, you've probably got, you know, you're coming up on 3 million people who live in a place where their county considers them safe from any sort of state or little town legislators that want to prove their power by trying to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. So keep in mind, this, this movement is spreading, and I hope it continues to do this because, honestly, People need to defend their Second Amendment rights, and this is a way to do it. And these are politicians who are coming to the table and deciding that they're going to take the first step. They're going to do what it takes to get this done. They're going to show the big cities that they are not going to be pushed around by laws that they feel are unconstitutional. Well, they're clearly unconstitutional. The Constitution clearly states, shall not be infringed. If you're infringing on my right to keep and bear arms... As a law-abiding citizen, then you know what? You're infringing on my rights. You're breaking the law by trying to pass another law to, to unsurp it. That's ridiculous. There's no reason for that. But it doesn't matter. These politicians are ignoring the laws. I mean, we have marijuana is legal in a bunch of states, which is fine. I'm not saying I care either way. But right now, federally, it is a federal crime to sell, to store 
to traffic marijuana in any way. Now, until that changes, it would probably be a good idea to probably not do this, but these states are giving sanctuary to people who want to do this, which is fine. I mean, that's how things get started, perhaps. You know, the law on alcohol was similar, too, when they take took the alcohol rights away from us, and we had to fight to get those back. I'm more of a libertarian, so if you want to do it, that's fine. I don't care. The government should not be in control of that. But apparently, some states are deciding the same thing for that. However, the big catch there is a lot of places, the federal government's looking at it going, if you have a marijuana card, that's a controlled substance. You cannot own a gun. You give up your right to keep and bear arms if you're violating a controlled substance act that the federal government still has in force and in play. So be aware of that. If you're in a state where marijuana is legal and if you have to get a card or some sort of identification in order to use it or to buy it, be very cautious of that if you're a gun owner or someone who plans to be a gun owner in the future because that is a serious way for them to limit your rights because you're violating federal law. And, you know, you may wonder, why would I even need a gun anyway? Well, you know what? There are bad people out there. Bad people do bad things to good people. That's how they they operate. And the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Now, this is going to start off. We're going, let's see where we're going to go. We're going to go to Colorado first. A Colorado homeowner was threatened by a stranger breaking into his house. And as you can imagine, being in Colorado, it used to be a relatively safe and uh, libertarian-type state. Lately, they have turned the corner, and they're heading the opposite direction, probably because people from California, people from Oregon, people in Washington are leaving those states in droves because they hate, they absolutely hate the atmosphere that they have created in these states by voting so liberally all these years. And now they want to get out of there. They want to escape. This is terrible. Our taxes are too high. Our cities are falling apart. We don't have any rights here anymore. So they're going to go somewhere else, and they start voting the same way. This is known as the locust effect. These locusts go from place to place, destroying each place they go, and then hating what they create, and then they want to move on. Well, in Colorado... They reported the shooting happened early morning on Saturday, November 2nd. So this is a little older story, but they received a call. They found a man, Aaron Rivers, with multiple non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. The homeowner who called reported he had heard a disturbance on his front porch about 1240 in the morning. He was trying to figure out what was going on. Whoever was on the porch started trying to break down the front door. The homeowner quickly got his handgun and began yelling at the potential intruder. He repeatedly warned him, I have a gun. I will shoot you. But this guy was undeterred and began to throw porch furniture around, and then he broke a large plate glass front window. So now our hero, our homeowner, has decided, you know what? Now I'm being threatened. He's breaking into my house. I have to do something. I have no choice but but to defend myself and my family. And he continued to yell at this guy. But then when River started to climb through the now broken front window, the homeowner had to make a decision, a split-second decision. He had to decide what he was going to do. This guy's coming into his house. He broke a window. He's not listening to the guy threatening him, telling him, I have a gun. I'm going to shoot you. The guy's coming in anyway. So he shot at the intruder several times, and he hit him in the arm. 
Again, training would have made that a much better shot. But when the police arrived, they took Rivers to the hospital where he'll be arrested as soon as he gets released. And they've determined there is no connection between Rivers and the homeowner. And they then, of course, they go and interview the neighbors. And the neighbor across the street goes, oh, they know this homeowner and his family. We're not troublemakers. They're just really nice people. I feel sorry for my neighbors over there. They're a nice couple. They have a little boy. The guy tried to beat down the front door, and he had no choice. So this is the kind of thing you have to be aware of. This guy was being threatened to being shot, and he didn't care. How do you just, you know, that's when I hear people say all the time, oh, I'm just going to rack my shotgun, and that'll scare him off, or I'm just going to point the gun at him or show it to him, and he'll run away. He won't want to fight me. Well, you know what? This guy was threatened with a gun, told he was going to be shot, and continued anyway. So if you think you're buying a gun and you're never going to have to shoot anybody with it or you don't want to defend your family, don't get one. I'm not saying everybody should have one. Everybody who's willing to take the time to learn how to use it, willing to take the time to make that decision where if my family, if my property is being threatened, I will pick up arms against them and I will defend them. I will be my family's first responder. So keep in mind, there's drug dealers, there's people who are out of their minds. They will not pay attention to you yelling at them, I have a gun, I will shoot you. So be prepared, be ready. You'll never know when a situation like that could happen to you. Just want to add one thing to what you're saying, and you really haven't. Uh, I don't believe you've touched on it. You may have, but Let's touch on it. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you live. Obviously, Chicago is not exactly the place you want to go unarmed. But <laughs> by the same token, uh, you can live in the high rent district. Maybe you have a fenced yard, so you think that's keeping them out. Or maybe you have guards, or maybe you... Maybe, maybe you have a dog. You know, maybe you have a dog. Who knows? But just because, you know, everybody thinks, well, this only happens in the ghettos. Mm. Wrong. Someone who's a thief is not going to go somewhere where there's poor people. They're going to go somewhere where there's people who have stuff they want to steal. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go for the opportunity. And uh, one of the biggest things that... Uh, you know, a cop told me one night as my alarm had gone off is that uh, that sign in your front yard keeps a lot of folks away. In fact, it's not just in my front yard, but I have my alarm company has signs posted uh, on my doors as well as around my house. Right. Exactly. That does help. Yeah. yeah. But the, obviously this guy had no... I don't know if he had no comprehension or just didn't think this guy was telling the truth. This guy was threatening to shoot him as he was coming in the window, and he still kept coming in. I mean, at that point, he had to make a decision. There's no, what do you do? You just let him come in and then see how far you can back up into your house before he comes to get you? No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. you got to be prepared to use it. Don't buy a gun thinking you're never going to have to use it unless you just plan on keeping it in a box somewhere and never learning how to use it and think just showing it to somebody is going to be enough it's not <laughs> yeah well you know there are some there are some guns you can buy just to keep in the safe and show your friends those are called barbecue guns when you have a barbecue you take out your fancy 1911 with all the extras all the option custom built blah 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 but they say you show your 1911 to your friends, you show your Glock to your enemies. <laughs> or you're upstairs with your 50 caliber on a <laughs> bipod, and when they break through the front door, you let them hear what it sounds That's right. Forget the AR. We're going to get the AR's big brother. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That's right. When a bully starts picking on the AR, we're going to bring in the big brother to take care of things. But, okay, but still, that's just one example. The guy shot him in the arm. He didn't die. Nothing happened to him. So he was he's still alive, and they don't. I don't know what caused him to keep doing this. I don't know what caused somebody to keep coming into a house after threatening to be shot. But anyway, I don't know if he was out of his mind. I don't know if he was on drugs. Whatever his issue was, he doesn't have the issue as much anymore now that he's been shot. It's been shown crime is reduced by almost 100% once criminals have been shot. <laughs> it's the surefire way to stop a criminal. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Texas now. Uh, Texas. I like Texas because they tend to be pro-Second Amendment. Anyway, so we're in southeast Austin, Texas. Now, Austin, I think, is a pretty liberal town from what I remember. Yes, they tend to lean to the left a little bit more. But anyway, an Uber each driver was delivering an order at 2.30 in the morning on a Saturday, which is nothing new for this guy. He says he's done it before. He's been doing it for a while. And he made his delivery. He's walking back to his car, and the driver saw a man aggressively and very close behind him, standing aggressively and very close behind him. Now, if it's 2.30 in the morning and you're following really close to me, I'm going to be a little nervous. And the delivery guy did not wait for something to happen. Instead, he shouted at the guy, get away from me. The man later identified as Gabriel Palomino, 37, didn't listen. Instead, he walks up and says, ah, do you know what time it is? Yeah. This is this is at 2.30 in the morning. You don't walk up to somebody in a dark parking lot and ask them what time it was. That's just that, that's a thinly veiled attempt to distract the driver. And at the same time, he pulls a bandana up over his face <laughs> that was tied up around his neck. Not the brightest criminal. There you go. But once his face was covered, Palomino pulled a Glock handgun out of his pocket and pointed it at the driver. The delivery driver then pulled out his SIG P238 and pointed it right at Palomino's chest. For a brief second, both of them just stood there not moving, and Palomino finally started moving off toward the end of the parking lot. And the Uber driver's like, he wasn't sure if the danger was passed or not. Oh, we're going to have to come back. You're going to have to see what happens here. This is America's Web Radio. I am Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Happy holidays. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Call 
us for details about our conventional loans with as little as 3% down or talk to us about our FHA, VA, and USDA loan options. We answer your questions with honesty and integrity because that's how we roll. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed Georgia and Florida. And I wanted to thank uh, Multiline Mortgage for joining us on America's Web Radio and uh, being one of the sponsors of the radio station now. We do appreciate it. And let me tell you for a fact, I know these people because they're the ones that uh, did my mortgage. And they are super. They know what they're doing. They've been in business. Uh, Joe, the founder, Joe Powers, the founder, was a, a very close friend of mine. And... Uh, Hated when uh, we lost Joe, but uh, mortgage, uh, multi-line mortgage. If you're here over the holidays and you get in a situation that you want to buy a house, you want to close on a house, you need a mortgage, tell your real estate broker, whoever it might be, that you want to deal with multi-line mortgage. I'm here to tell you they are fantastic. They know which corner of the paper to lift up and get that mortgage for you. So we're glad to have them as sponsors. Glad to have Patty uh, with us, and uh, you'll be hearing more of Multiline as we go on. So with that being said, quick ID, and we'll be back with Mr. B. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Yes, everybody, we're back. We're back in Texas, southeast Austin, where an Uber East driver has just had a gun pulled on him, where he pulled his own gun, and they stood there facing each other, pointing the gun at each other, until the attacker has walked away from him. So now the Uber driver, not sure where this guy's going. Does he have friends? Is he coming back? Is he looking for a better angle? He doesn't know what's going on. So he finds cover between a couple of cars, calls 911 immediately. The 911 dispatcher tells him, leave where you are and head to the nearest well-lit gas station. The Uber driver found a 7-Eleven and waited for the officer to come. Amazingly, walking down the street, not but a few feet away, he spotted the guy. Mr. Palomino was walking down the street. That's the guy who tried to rob me, he told the police officer. The officer was able to grab him and detain him. During the interview, Palomino, who we know is not the uh, brightest light in the harbor... It's a few fries short of a Happy Meal. I tried to claim he was actually the Uber driver's rescuer, and somebody else was trying to rob him, and he stepped in. (laughs) Though the police were not buying this. So they arrested Palomino for aggravated robbery. He was booked into the Travis County Jail, and the judge set his bail at $40,000. Now, here's, here's here's the catch here. Here's the rub. Uber prohibits their employees from carrying a gun while at work. And this guy, obviously, working for Uber Eats or Uber Driving, whatever he's doing, I'm not sure how that system works. He obviously pulled a gun. He had a permit. He he didn't shoot anybody. Just the mere sight of it was enough to have this guy back away and get away from him. Thank goodness. I mean, I don't know that I would have had that much self-control if someone was pointing a gun at me. I've been trained to shoot until the threat is is gone. He was he was a little more patient than I would have been. But anyway, he didn't shoot anybody. He was legally carrying the gun. It was a legally purchased gun. But now I'm curious to see what Uber wants to do with this guy. Are they going to fire him? Is he going to lose his job because he defended his life? 
if he hadn't defended his life and been shot in the line of duty, in the line of Uber duty, would they have covered all his medical expenses? Would they have taken care of his family while he couldn't work? Or, God forbid, if he was killed, would they have taken care of his family? Would they have supported his wife, possible kids, whoever he has? Would they have been able to comfort his mom and dad? Probably not. They probably would have just walked away and moved on to the next person. So I'm curious to see. I have not heard anything either way on this. But if I know Uber, they probably will tell this guy. They may give him a warning. There's that possibility. But chances are they're going to fire him for carrying a gun because he's not supposed to. He violated their company policy. Now, that strikes me as odd. How does a company policy take precedent over constitutional rights? Could I make laws that would allow me to restrict free speech in certain areas? I guess I could. I guess if that's a policy, if that's a company policy, I could tell somebody they can't do that. You can't talk about politics on company grounds. I guess that's a possibility. I don't know how that would work. Could I enable somebody to commit sexual harassment? Because I say, well, that's our company policy is we allow it. So, you know, girls, if you want to go grab that guy's butt because he's looking good, hey, that's fine. You know, if that's company policy, that's allowed. But... The fact that company policy trumps constitutional rights still irks me every time I hear about it. But right now you're thinking constitutional rights. How about these gun-free zones that these schools have? How do you protect children against a possible intruder with a gun if you don't have any guns in the school? Well, you know what? There was an Idaho school district that decided, oh, no, no, we're not going to use a gun-free zone sign. We're not going to use a sign to help protect our kids. We're going to buy guns. And we're going to give them to the people who are going to get training and are going to be our protectors if we need it. This is in Garden Valley, Idaho. School administrators, they're taking their security seriously. They had minutes from the most recent board meeting. They purchased four rifles and 2,000 rounds of ammunition. And they're considering spending up to $2,000 more on body armor, vests, and additional magazines. And they're, and they're saying, okay, this is how we're going to protect our kids. You're not going to protect them with a sign. You're not going to protect them by calling the police. As the police could be minutes away. In fact, we're this, this is a school district that's pretty far outside a police protected area. In fact, they were saying that there are about 30 to 45 minute potential wait time for police to arrive. And could you imagine giving a shooter a gun free zone? with 30 to 45 minutes to do whatever evil he was planning on doing and having nobody able to stop him. So how is this going to work out? Are the liberals going to cry about this and go, oh, my God, we shouldn't have guns in school? Well, who's going to provide protection for these kids? Well, apparently this school district decided they were going to provide protection for these kids. They were going to buy rifles, buy ammunition, and they were going to get volunteers who are willing to go through the training to learn how to protect and defend these children if the need ever arose. And in fact, before they even bought the guns, there were staff who volunteered and received training from the Boise County Sheriff's Office. So these guys were trained by professionals, taught how to use these weapons. I would imagine in Idaho, most people probably had some experience already, especially if it was this rural of an area. And you're 30 to, potentially 30 to 45 minutes away from a police policeman coming. I imagine most of these people defend themselves every day and act as their own first responders. So let's see. That would be great. That's, that's kudos to the school for putting up this type of uh, 
protection for their students. And I'd be willing to bet that almost every politician in Washington has their kid in a school that's protected by guns. So when they start telling you you need a sign to protect your kids, but they have rifles and pistols to protect their kids, what does that tell you about how they think of you, how they think of their constituency? Do they think you're on equal grounds with them? I doubt it. And that's unfortunately becoming a bigger problem, but that that's probably a point for the uh, On Point with Victor show to cover. How far do we go in putting these politicians up on a pedestal and making them like royalty to where they have rights above the common citizens. Now, if anybody was paying attention last week, there was a terrorist attack in London. A guy had a knife. He was chopping, slashing at people, cutting people. I believe he killed one man and one woman before finally getting shot by the police. But until the police got there, he was fought off by one man who was in a restaurant, a chef, apparently, and he had no gun because England doesn't allow guns. So a group of bystanders got a fire extinguisher and a Norwal tusk. Now, if you don't know what a Norwal tusk is, it's a very large horn that's off the front end of a specific breed of whale, and these things can be 10, 15, 20 feet long. I don't know how long the one was he used, but he apparently got it and held this guy at bay with this pointy tusk. And while the guy at the fire extinguisher was spraying him with whatever was in the fire extinguisher, <laughs> you know, it just goes to show you, if you can't get a gun, you have to get something else. You have to improvise, you have to adapt, you have to overcome. Find a way to be your own first responder. And this guy, unfortunately, was able to kill two people and wound a lot more before the Norwal Tusk-wielding restaurant guy came out and defended him, defended the rest of the people there. That's just, to me, that is a great story. I mean, that just, it goes to show you that you can always find something to defend yourself with, but you know what? If a guy has a gun, what are you going to do with a tusk? What are you going to do with a knife? Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Don't bring a Norwal tusk to a gunfight. Bring a gun to a gunfight. But unfortunately, the people in Britain don't have this option. They don't have the the ability to defend themselves with guns. In fact, for years, the police in London didn't even carry guns. But as terrorism spreads worldwide, the police in London are realizing, you know what? We can't defend people with just ourselves and our clubs anymore. We're going to have to carry guns. So now, from what I understand, most of the policemen do carry guns now. Or they have police in every zone, certain ones that are carrying weapons. And, you know, it's kind of funny because this guy grabbed whatever weapon he could find. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it seems like a very good way to say you have to have the right to defend yourself. So... Keep in mind, if you don't have a gun handy, look around, see what you can use. Now, most Americans, hopefully, you've had your training, you've got your gun, you carry it with you all the time. Whenever you can legally, we've talked about that, there are certain government buildings you're not allowed to carry a weapon in. And unfortunately, they don't always protect you. But the fact that he had to use a tusk to stop an attacker is just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, and there's people in the UK arguing, this proves you don't need guns. <laughs> yeah, right. 
because <laughs> I guess they're going to put big glass cases everywhere with Norwal tusks in them to help defend the people who uh, who can't have access to a gun. But anyway, so pay attention to that. Look for weapons, improvised weapons when you need them. We're going to be right back after this brief message. You're listening to Roger B. This is America's Web Radio, locked and loaded. Seasons greetings. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Let's talk about reverse mortgages for seniors 62 and older. Reverse mortgages were designed to free up money that seniors can use at their discretion in retirement. Let us help you determine if this program is right for you. We'll help you choose the right lender and walk you through the loan process. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS, 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. And one more time, I just want to endorse Multiline Mortgage. They're going to be open through the holidays, and I know they're good because they're the folks that got my mortgage. So call them Multiline Mortgage. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. I have to tell something. This is just, this actually I think happened last week, but at Fort Benning, Georgia, which I think is down by Columbus, Georgia, they had a multi-gun challenge last weekend. Now, the multi-gun challenges draw about 250 competitors from across the nation trying to get through the 12 courses all while firing the fastest and the most accurately. The 2018 multi-gun challenge winner, Daniel Horner, who's a professional shooter for SIG, he said he'll go through four stages each day during the three days of competition. It's the guy that can go through the fastest with the best hits. So if kind of, it's kind of equally weighted for speed and accuracy. And they're shooting rifles, pistols, and shotguns. So this is essentially a three-gun match that is sponsored by the military. Or it's designed to be shot by military personnel. But it's open to all civilians as well, but it's designed and run by soldiers. And uh, they design these courses. They have to figure out how each bay is going to be different, how many rounds you're going to need, and they test the skill of all the shooters from stage to stage. And the idea is they're trying to get the soldiers in different situations and civilians to see how they compete. Now, they run this for three days, from what I understand. All you have to do is, if you want to go watch, now, of course, it's over with this year, but if you want to go watch next year, all you have to do is bring your own eye protection and hearing protection, and you can go watch. And if you qualify, you might even be able to compete. 
So there you go. Maybe next year some of you guys can get out there and let us know how it goes. Okay, now we're going to go off to Baltimore. Yes, very close to D.C., and we know how politics in D.C. are. But Baltimore County has decided that they're going to change the licensing requirements for gun shops. Now, Baltimore, Maryland is, I wouldn't call it the murder capital of the world, but they've got a problem with murders there. There are a lot of bad people doing bad deeds. So now what lawmakers want to do is they want to start targeting local gun stores. And they claim this is to cut down on firearm thefts and illegal gun use. But instead of going after the criminals, they're going after the law-abiding retailers, the law-abiding citizens who will frequent or use these shops to provide them with guns that they want to buy. Now they have to implement a a Baltimore County Police Department-approved safety plan. Now, under this plan, a temporary gun show... which I guess is any show outside of the actual address of the gun shop, they will have to have a security plan approved by the chief of police that includes alarm systems, video surveillance, and a live security guard. Now, a lot of gun shows have some of this stuff already, but if they don't, they're going to have to provide all this before they're allowed to, to do this. In fact, the state of Illinois enacted a similar licensing bill, and almost half of the state's federally, federal firearms licensed dealers did not even apply to renew their licenses. They just decided, we're going to close up shop. It's not worth it than trying to go bankrupt, trying to comply with all of these new security requirements. Now, I ask you, I wonder if a car dealer has to provide all these. Because if someone was to steal a car and run people over with it, would that not put them in the same situation? If they were to get a knife and go attack people on London Bridge, would that not be the same situation? Why doesn't every single manufacturer have to provide these same security requirements? Because these people don't care if you have knives. They don't care if you have cars. They only care if you have guns. Because they figure if they can take your guns away, that's one less person who's going to be able to defend against tyranny in the U.S. And a lot of these people are using this as a backdoor way to get gun control. Let's shut down all the stores where people can go buy guns. Then they won't be able to buy them. And there, we got rid of the guns without actually having to take them away from anybody. So it's just like the California with their licensing on buying ammunition. Because we all know a gun without ammunition is a club. And nobody wants to have an AR-15 club. It's not nearly as effective. So we'll have to wait and see how this pans out in Baltimore. But I have a feeling it's going to be similar to the situation in Illinois. A lot of these stores are not going to renew licenses or they're going to move outside the Baltimore County area so they can get their their gun license or run their shop somewhere else. And it's also going to pull tax money away. You just saw over 200,000 weapons sold nationwide in one day. I'm sure a lot of these were sold in Baltimore, Baltimore County. So keep in mind, Baltimore, you're getting rid of tax money. I'm sure you just raised the tax on everything else. But it's just amazing how they go after the Second Amendment any way they can. Back door, front door, side door, they don't care. All they want is a way to disarm American citizens. And I don't know. I'm getting tired of this. Now, granted, I live in a relatively free state where the gun laws are, they're firm, but they're reasonable. There's nothing, uh, there's not anything that's too terribly unreasonable here, which is great. But for those of you who don't, I feel sorry for you, and I can only encourage you, get out there and vote for people who believe in freedom. Get out there who 
for people who believe in the Second Amendment. Because once it's gone, there's no getting it back. I have a feeling once these stores are shut down, they're not going to come back into the county if they change the rules. They're going to find business somewhere else. They're going to find a way to succeed without having to deal with all the government red tape. Now, here's one thing that came up that was actually good news. There was um, a lawsuit filed against a company called Arms List. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they are a listing site that allows individuals and dealers to sell guns nationwide on a website. Now, of course... Selling on a website, if you sell out of state, you have to ship it to a federally firearms licensed dealer. There's no way around that. However, some states allow face-to-face transactions to take place between two citizens of that state, supposedly in good standing. A lot of people will ask to at least see a driver's license to make sure you are a citizen of the state or you're a resident of the state. Some people in some states will usually ask to see a carry permit if it's a shall issue state because they know they've undergone the background check and it's legal to sell to them. So apparently the daughter of one of the three people shot to death by a man who illegally bought a semi-automatic pistol from someone he met on arms list. The Wisconsin Supreme Court dismissed the suit ruling federal law protects website operators from liability for posting content from a third party. Now, that's great. That's great news because could you imagine how this would have been extended to anybody who has a website? If anybody bought anything on a website that was used in an illegal manner or used to commit a crime, all of a sudden that website would be responsible? Imagine having eBay or Amazon responsible for every single thing that was sold on their website. And if there was any damage caused by it or it didn't function right or broke down and caused a problem, you'd be able to sue the website instead of the manufacturer or the person who sold it or perhaps the person who broke broke the law by selling something that was perhaps illegal or non-functional or whatever. So, But the fact that they stopped the lawsuit is probably great news. It means the websites at least currently are protected. Now, if you are buying guns online, arms list is one place to look. However, they don't usually offer the background checks and security of a site called gunbroker.com. Now, gunbroker is one of my favorites because they do verify all the members there. You have to, you know, make sure you have the right information before they allow you to get on there and bid and before they allow you to list. And I've never heard of too many issues with things going on there. Arms list is a little bit laxer. Anybody can basically sign up for an account, put a gun for sale, and try and collect money, whether they say they're going to ship it or not. There have been several stories of people purchasing on there and not getting anything shipped to them. So be aware whenever you're buying online, especially from an individual, it's very, it's, it's, you have to buyer beware. You have to be aware of what you're doing. You have to verify who you're dealing with, or at least the best you can. Now, I know in my home state of Georgia, we have something called the Outdoors Trader, where we list, people can list individual items of just about any type, pistol, rifle, shotgun, off-road vehicles, four-wheelers, almost everything. And the idea is you meet this person face-to-face, do a transaction. Now, some people will volunteer to ship, but most people are looking for face-to-face transactions, and they may require you to have a carry permit to buy from them. They will at least have to get a glance at it. They don't have to make a copy, but they have to look at it just to know you're a resident of the state and you're a citizen in good standing. 
So that's something to be aware of. If you're buying something, for, just like with anybody, you meet somebody on Craigslist even to buy a video game, be cautious. Make the proper arrangements. Meet somewhere in public during the day. And personally, I would be armed and don't expect anything less from the people coming to meet you. That way, everybody can be respectful, everybody can be protected, and everybody can get what they want and hopefully go on their merry way. So that's one way. Now, that was another thing I wanted to bring up real quick is that the Black Friday numbers do not include any weapons that were purchased online because they will not be registered or have a background check until they come into the purchaser's FFL and they get the background check then. So there's no telling how many people, how many thousands of weapons were purchased online and being shipped to the, their respective dealers of these customers, and they will be picking these up later. So I have a feeling that our gun sales for Black Friday would probably be breaking records if they could actually account for all of them. But right now, I'm just proud of everybody who went out and purchased a weapon on Black Friday or still plans to purchase one before the end of the year. I'd like to see higher numbers there. I'd like to see more people involved. And if you are already involved in the shooting sports, I would love for you to take somebody under your wing who has expressed an interest. Maybe they've never shot before. They have an interest. Maybe they're a little scared to go on their own because it's daunting. Well, do that. That's the way to pay it forward. Right now... We're going to have to sign off for today. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Thanks for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.